Star Wars 7x7 episode 1806. Today, let's do an update on the rise of Skywalker. What do you say? Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode where we are going to check in on the rise of Skywalker and what's doing right now with the post-production efforts. So one of them has to do with something that may or may not actually make it into episode 9 because it comes from Colin Trevorrow's version of the story and it actually has found a life of its own. According to Collider, there's an exclusive interview where they found out that the TIE Echelon fighter, which is a giant life-size TIE-type fighter sitting in Galaxy's Edge, that sucker comes from a previous version of Episode 9, specifically the design team that Colin Trevorrow was working with when he was developing the story for Episode 9. So uh, Steven Weintraub from Collider reached out to Colin Trevorrow and said, hey, like I'm hearing this was your design, is that right? And Trevorrow did actually confirm that that was the case. And further questions tried to you know, elicit information about you know, what it was going to be for and whether there was going to be a particular sequence where, sequence where it was used, and Trevorrow wasn't given up any story details in that regard, even though he said he respected the question. But what he did say was that it was supposed to be for an upgraded First Order military, and that he thought of it as a troop transport like a Black Hawk helicopter sort of thing. So that doesn't necessarily mean that it won't be used in The Rise of Skywalker, but certainly it's kind of interesting to see that you know elements of what Colin Trevorrow was working on have made their way into Star Wars canon because, you know, technically speaking, Galaxy's Edge is canon. <laughs> but anyway, so that's um, one of the interesting bits of news out of the rise of Skywalker's post-production development. Another bit of news has to do with John Williams, the wonderful, absolutely incredible composer who is going to be bringing us home on this as well. And what an amazing marvel and a gift that is. He is currently possibly actually recording right now. So it's a little bit interesting because... In the Vanity Fair article, right, you know, the one with the big reveals about the Rise of Skywalker and whatnot, there was a photo showing John Williams conducting, and there's a screen in the background, and you see Carrie Fisher on the screen as Princess Leia, and it's not, or as General Leia, excuse me, and it's not a scene that we've seen anywhere before, so presumably it is a scene from the Rise of Skywalker. Well, a listener slash watcher, Patrick, I'm sorry, I don't actually know whether you're listening or watching how you're catching the show, but Patrick Collier commented on the Facebook page for the show, that's facebook.com slash SW7X7, saying that usually they score the movie a lot closer to its release, and he wondered whether it was a staged photo in Vanity Fair. I have to say, getting... John Williams and a whole orchestra in place to stage a photo seems rather an odd idea to me. So if it were going to be quote unquote staged, I would imagine it would be from an existing photo and them just throwing up a picture of Leia on screen. So that way, you know, that's the staging. The staging is they didn't make him and a whole orchestra come in just for the one photo. You know, they might have maybe doctored a photo or something. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, is that there is some potential credence to this idea. 
Now, if you're not familiar with the John Williams Fan Network, well, their website is jwfan.com, and anything and everything John Williams related, you will find on that website. So already it's off to an awesome start as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, they tracked down an interview that John Williams did with the Times of London, where he said that he had, at that point, and this was in early May, so far written about 25 minutes of score for the rise of Skywalker in the space of a month's time of work. And additionally, he's also seen an early cut of The Rise of Skywalker and says he likes it very much. I mean, I don't know, you know, he certainly wouldn't say anything else or he wouldn't be caught, <laughs> quoted anywhere saying anything else. So, you know, eh, take it for what you will, but it's still nice to hear the positivity of it. Um, but he's seen that early cut likes it very much and was getting to work. So it kind of lends credence to the idea that, hmm, you know, maybe we're not seeing exactly what we think we're seeing in that Vanity Fair photo. And there's another story on the JW Fan Network website as well, citing a different interview and not actually with him. The interview is with a woman named Sandy DeCrescent, who is also an orchestra conductor in her own right, has been at it for 50 years. And according to the interview, she's currently selecting musicians and managing the orchestras for John Williams. And in that article, it says that he is going to be recording in June. She also talks about the fact that he is an incredibly, you know, talented and efficient conductor in that he can actually get through 15 minutes of score in three hours, which is sort of presented a little bit without context, but there is a bit of an incredulity in the tone of it where it's like, he can do that much? I mean, you know, I just watched my son Joe deal with doing a four minute video report for his US history class and he was stunned at how many hours it took to just create a four minute video and I'm sitting here and going yeah you know I produce a sub 10 minute show every day and it takes a couple of hours to do it from soup to nuts so yeah I get it so doing 15 minutes of score in three hours of work sounds phenomenally fast and yet and yet would you really expect anything less phenomenal from John Williams? And there's another quote in the interview I want to share with you because if there's, you know, anything that you wanted to learn about John Williams or how he treats people, like this is exactly the sort of thing you would want to hear. So DeCrescent talks about how she can put other musicians in with other conductors or, you know, take John Williams' orchestra and put them with some other conductor and they won't play as well. And it's not necessarily about the conductor's talent or anything like that, but just how they treat the orchestra and the love that both he and also Randy Newman, she says, um, the love that they show the orchestra. She says she's had people say to her that they didn't know they could play as well as they do when they're being conducted by John Williams or Randy Newman even. What a beautiful anecdote. I just, I absolutely love it. As if I didn't like John Williams enough, you know, there's just yet another reason to be a fan. So anyway, uh, jwfan.com to track more of what's going on with the maestro. And I'm going to take a quick break right now. And I'm going to talk to you about what we're going to pursue on tomorrow's episode, because it is also Rise of Skywalker related. So stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. 
If you've got a business that needs to reach a dedicated audience of Star Wars fans, or you know somebody who does, then you might want to reach out to me. <laughs> I've got a show that reaches thousands of people between the audio version, the video version, and our social media channels, and I'd love to find out how I can help you with your business ventures, too. Just reach out at sw7x7.com sponsors. That's plural, S-P-O-N-S-O-R-S. That's sw7x7.com sponsors, and let's see how we can work together. Welcome back. So the University of California at Santa Barbara has this place called the Carsey Wolf Center and they do a series called Script to Screen and recently they had Marianne Brandon there. So the reason why that is notable is because Marianne Brandon among other things, is an editor for The Rise of Skywalker. And this particular script-to-screen situation was happening because they did a screening of the first reboot of Star Trek, which actually came out 10 years ago this year, 2009. And she was the editor on that, so they did a screening and then they brought her in to have a conversation about the editing of the movie. And, you know, because this is how it works, <laughs> when you talk to somebody who's worked on Star Wars, it doesn't matter what you're actually talking to them about, you talk to them about Star Wars. And there have been a couple of things reported about the comments that she made at the Carsey Wolf Center, and we're going to actually, you know, bypass the colliders and the expresses and go straight to the source for this, because they actually put the video up for it, and we'll talk about her comments on tomorrow's show. But for today, that is going to do it for us here, and again, as always, I'm so glad you joined me for it. And may the force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademarks and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.